Welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast, encouraging women to become better disciples of Jesus. Every week we hear from women just like us that are being intentional to know Jesus more and to make him known. Here's your host, Carmen Halsey. Hi, ladies, and welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast. I hope your week is going well, and we're glad you're joining us back here this Friday. Today, I have a friend of mine, Miss um, Sherry West, that is joining us. Hi, Sherry. Hello. Sherry, I am glad you're with us. And, and ladies, I reached out to Sherry and said, could I, could I invite you in as a guest? Her and I had been messaging a little bit back and forth yesterday on a specific topic. And as I was walking, God just, just sort of sensed in my spirit that this is a current topic if Sherry's to a point that she can talk about it a little bit. So so we're going to go there. But Sherry, I thank you for taking the invite on such short notice and being willing to let me interview you for the podcast. You are welcome. Sherry, when I met you, it was at a meeting, I believe the Association Roundtable, because your husband was serving at that time as a director of missions, or we referred to him as Associational Mission Strategist now. So I got to know you from a distance. But, and you had lived some life, but I remember at that time you were already experiencing some significant health conditions or concerns in your life and really were on a search for answers and having to do some pretty radical things because of your health and the treatment. I'm just trying to figure it out and learn how to live with it. And I want to go there some in the story, but before we do, tell the ladies a little bit about your story, who you are, because there was some story that led up to that. Okay. I was raised in a Christian home in a Baptist church. And when I got to a certain age, I walked down the aisle like the rest of my family had walked down the aisle and became a member of the church. But it wasn't until 10 years later, I realized I didn't make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. I was just doing what my family did. And I loved the church and I loved church life, but I didn't know Jesus Christ. And I encountered him in my early 20s and became a Christian, not just a church member. And that made all the difference in my life is starting that journey with him and having that relationship with him. My husband was director of missions, and he was also pastoring a small church, and it was the church I grew up in. And so that was just a precious time to be there. I told him, you know, it it felt like home from the get-go. But we had only been there about a year and a half, and I started some health symptoms, and I got passed from doctor to doctor because one doctor couldn't quite figure, put his finger on it, and I got passed all the way to Barnes Hospital in St. Louis and to Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, and they found nothing. And just a discouraging time because my body was betraying me, and I couldn't find the answer, and I couldn't find a remedy. And I was homebound after about four years. I was homebound and almost bedridden. And I found a wonderful Christian doctor while I was flipping through Facebook. And he had put some information out. And, man, it spoke to everything that I was going through. And he helped run the right tests. And and it wasn't – I had wonderful doctors. We just couldn't put our thumb on it. And, and he helped facilitate that. And there were three or four other medical professionals that weighed in. And finally, we put all the puzzle together. 
And I have been free from that about a year and a half now. It was a seven-year journey. Well, you know, I know when I met you, it was significant because you were living out of state or trying out of state. I believe that you even had a camper or something for a while. (laughs) And I believe it led you because at that time you were realizing that, well, you and your husband were spending so much time separated. And I think it led to him. He eventually resigned and joined you. I don't remember where it was. We were in Tennessee. And we were in Texas. We learned that I felt better in warmer states and southern states. And and so we went to those places to start my healing and my medication and really give my body the best shot. But you know what? And I know we're going to get to this later, but God brought us back at the right time. And he put things in place because he knew what was coming. And he, he put those things together. And now you can look back and you can see that. Sherry, that's a good transition because I know at the time we met, the health concerns were at the forefront because health care can be complicated. Um, I don't care how intelligent we are, how much money we have, health care can be complicated. And when you're looking for answers and coming up short, and it's tough to be in those shoes and, and you were there and what you were dealing with was impacting every area of life, you know, all your relationships. And, and it blessed my heart because I watched your husband love you, love you well through that. <laughs> he did. He did. And he really, uh, you know, they say marriage is 50-50, but he carried uh, 99% for a while there, and it ended up being a, a super virus that slipped through all the cracks of all the tests, but it rambled through my system so long it destroyed my immunities, yeah. and we did not know that, and then in southern Illinois, we have a lot of toxins in our plants, trees, grass, and so all of those toxins had invaded my system, and I've learned mold toxins hide. And you have to look specifically for a specific toxin. You can't just run a test and say, oh, I wonder if you have old issues. You have to know what you're looking for. So we were blessed to find it and to figure it out. And then for God to allow me to find a doctor that said, oh, I think I can help you with that. That was amazing. Amen. Amen. Sherry, after that, some time passed, and um, I really had not been in contact with you until there was a, um, a story that hit my radar. I had learned that there had been an accident, and there was a young man that had lost his life in a motor vehicle accident. And I know it had really impacted a lot of my colleagues. And as the story um, unfolded, and I was hearing more details of the story, your name was added to the story, and I learned that this was your son. And um, I remember praying for you, friend, and, and then watching, you know, to see how you navigated those waters. It was clear to me just how wide of an impact or influence that you'd had on various people throughout our state, as well as your son. So if you're ready, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. And if you can, if you would share with us a little bit of that part of your story in the life of your precious son and how you navigated those waters and and worked through grief, the pain of that um, intentionally worked through to get to where you are right now. We had um, been asleep June 12th and uh, 2020. We had just felt like we got our feet underneath us a little bit with the lockdown and COVID. Everybody was struggling with that. What it caused me to do was go through all of the tubs that you save and all of the boxes that you save. And I had had many conversations with my my sons and daughter. I had passed pictures back and forth of memories from their childhood. And Jared and I had many laughs 
over the things I had found. And I would text him a picture of our little ID bracelets from the hospital. And I would say, look, we've been together from the very beginning. And those were some precious moments. But that morning, uh, my phone rang extremely early, and I didn't recognize the number. And I thought, how can this be phone solicitation this early? Do they have no boundaries on them? But it was a Tennessee number. And I have three children that live in Tennessee. And when I answered it, it was the chaplain for the Metropolitan Police Department in Davidson County. And she asked me if I knew Jared Walker. And that's never a a good question. And she told us he had been in an accident the night before and didn't make it. And it's so hard to absorb those words. What what are you can you give me proof or how do you know, or there's a mistake or something. And so I got off the phone and I began to call other family members and I began to call the police departments and find out what happened and who happened and is this true. And uh, we made our way to Nashville. And I kept telling uh, one of my sons, he was my go-to for the medical examiner. And the medical examiner kept saying, you can't see him. And I kept saying, I'm his mama and I can't. And I was there in the beginning. I'm going to be there in the end. And so my son would go back to bat for me to go in. And she said, I will show you a picture. And I said, okay, if that's all I can do, then that's what I'm going to do. I need to see with my own eyes. I need to know. And we were waiting for another son to arrive. And I was walking up and down that parking lot. And I said to God, I cannot stand to think that he is in there. And I am telling you, in my spirit, God said, he is not here. He has risen. Amen. Wow. And I walked to the other end of the parking lot. And in my heart, the words came to remembrance. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? I am the resurrection and I am the life. And I think it was at that moment I knew he was gone. And God was comforting me. You're not going to like what you find when you go in there. But He was already saying, there is that hope. And it was our precious boy. And when you talked to me this morning, the first word I wrote down was shock absorbers. What are your shock absorbers when you have this bomb go off and and you go into that mode of you don't even know what the next step is? And I kept asking the the medical examiner, well, well, what do we do? What, What is the next step? And God just placed Christian people in those services to be that shock absorber for us and to carry us when we couldn't be carried. And so we began that process. And the man that we went with, he said, I'm going to have someone else call you and talk with you and get information from you. And I said, okay. And he called and he said, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And Jared was too. And he said, I want you to know I am praying for your family. And you tell your kids, I am praying for them. And I am going to care for this family member for you. I am going to personally care for him. Wow. It was just like a burden had lifted off of me. And we stayed in a hotel, of course, and trying to figure out arrangements of what we were doing. And I had this cross necklace on, and it was one of the last gifts that Jared had bought for me. And I had it on, and I was talking to this hotel clerk. She was the sweetest thing, but I was trying to explain 
a lot of different people were going to be staying in the rooms and some were coming and some were going and the person that signed for the room wasn't going to always be there. And it was like a light bulb went off and she knew. And she looked at me and she said, I see your cross and the Lord wants me to tell you he is there for the brokenhearted and those that are crushed in spirit. And I wish I knew her name so I could go back and tell her that she was his hands and feet at that moment. And, and you know, I just want to pause here and say, that's wonderful. And God was doing these wonderful things that he was carrying us. But he has given me that responsibility. I have to do that for others now. I have to carry, help carry their burden and help give that encouragement and that love to them. Second Corinthians talks about that, that comfort you receive, you get to a point eventually, not at first, but eventually you get to a point that you can take that comfort and you can pass that on to someone else. And uh, just what a blessing. There were so many wonderful things that God did, but uh, but I want to tell you this. We have a service at home for him, and then we had a service in Nashville for him. And at that service, there was people I did not know that were his friends there. He had lived there many years. And there was a woman just sobbing her heart out. And my son was motioning me, come come over here and and talk to her. And I thought, I wonder how she knew him. And she did know him through his work briefly. But Carmen, she was in the car behind him that night. She saw him. She looked over. She told her husband, I know who that is. He pulled in front of her, rounded the curve, and a drunk driver hit him head on. But here's the deal. When you lose someone so tragically, and you were asleep when it happened, and you don't have those details, and you think, did they suffer? Did they know? Did they Were they afraid? And they answered all of those questions for us. And my husband, when he found out that she was there, he slid down the side of our bed and fell on the floor. And he said, I was so worried he was alone. I didn't want him to be alone. And God had put someone there that knew him. And she said, we were the very first car. And we stayed with him until the authorities got there. And she said it was instant. He was, he took a breath here and then he took a breath with the Lord. There were no, no, uh, no doubt about that. So we were thankful for that. Right after that, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to put this little blurb in here for women. Uh Ladies, you need a Peter, James, and John group. Jesus had the 12 disciples, and he poured himself into them. But more often than not, he pulled aside Peter, James, and John, and he spoke more intimately into their lives. And if you look around, you probably already have those women. You just don't call them Peter, James, and John. I have five women like that. One has passed away, but the other four are my right hand, and they're, they're going to tell you that dress looks awful on you. They're going to tell you um, you need to be reading your Bible. I mean, they're, they're just wonderful women. But one of them sent me this Facebook group called While We're Waiting, and you can only join if you have lost a child. She made me mad. I thought, I am not going on Facebook and talking about my precious child to strangers. Are you crazy? And she said, well, when you're ready, I have the information (laughs) because she knew. And eventually I was ready. And that is biblically based, Christian based, very sound and very much a support, not a um You can take as much of it as you want or as little of it as you want or whatever mode you're in. If you feel like you can do an online support group or not or go to an actual retreat center or not, 
or just scroll through and read everybody else's story and be encouraged by them. That has been a super, super blessing. Another friend sent, of course, people bought me books, and I was thankful for that, and I've worked my way through. um, But one was called A Grace Disguised, and it's by Jerry Sitzer, and he had just happened to lose his family to a drunk driver, but he went beyond telling his story. He really wanted to say, God, what what do you have in this, and what do I need to learn from this, and how can I uh, continue to raise my children or have a ministry? And I'm telling you, it took me about a year to get through that little thin book because I wasn't ready to hear some of the stuff he had to say, mm-hmm. and I, I I didn't like some of the stuff. He had to say that he was writing it further down the road and he had kind of grown through some things and it was stuff I needed to hear, but I couldn't just sit down and flip through it. I had to read on it and meditate and think about it. And he really talked a lot about God's sovereignty. Oh, boy. Any kind of loss that we experience, we struggle. I struggle with God's sovereignty, but that was that was a good one. Nancy Guthrie has written many things that are just powerful about all kinds of loss. But I thought about shock absorbers. Yes, those godly people who are your people and they come alongside you and hold you up. There were doers, people who just did things without being asked and people who um, just served behind the scenes. Maybe they just made sure we had toilet paper in our house. You know, I mean, you're not even thinking people that sent notes thinking this is probably one of many notes. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I had gone to the crash site. I wanted to stand where he took his last breath. And I told God, I need some. (laughs) I'm struggling here and I need something. And I did find a piece of shattered glass from his car, but it was all still together. And then that really spoke to me that you're still together and God is in control. And that glass was designed to do a certain thing. It was actually a side mirror, uh, but now it does something different. It tells a different story and it has a different job. And it says broken can still be beautiful and broken can still be useful. Um, and I, I have it in a necklace. But later I just kept telling God, I need a scripture. I need something and uh, Jared's birthday was 8.16, and I found in Isaiah 8.16 this verse. Bind up the testimony and seal up the law among my disciples. Wait for the Lord. Put trust in him. And down a little further, it talks about uh, these children the Lord have given to me. We are signs and symbols of the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Amen. Sherry, remind me how old Jared was when he had his accident. He was 29. He was exactly four months from his wedding date. Okay. I knew. Uh, they had their rings and they had everything set in place. And my daughter-in-law had a box made to be buried with him. And we all wrote letters. Uh, we never, none of us got to say goodbye. None of us were with him. None of us knew that the last time was the last time. And we wrote letters and I put his baby Bible. My mom bought all of my children a baby Bible and it went in the box. And uh, his fiance said, I want the rings to go in the box. That's a a sign of who we were and what we were doing. And 
what was important to us and and I I I need to do that. And that was a precious thing, uh, a healing thing to do. And like I said, at that moment, you don't even know what you need or what you you don't need. But I'm glad that we did that. I'm glad that was something that we kind of uh, did some closure. Jared was our exact middle child and everybody related to him different. And and I think this is important. Uh, My youngest son said, Mom, when we're together, we don't just miss him. We miss all the versions of him, son, brother, best friend, fiance, uncle. You, you, you miss in so many different ways. And so like we were talking earlier, the grief is layered and it's not linear and uh, it, it, things trigger and it comes and goes. One of the things that Grief Share will teach is that for every loss, the primary loss, there's an average of, I believe, 20 to 30 secondary losses, meaning that person that you've lost Yes, you miss him, but that person represented so many different roles or did so many different things in your life. And those are the secondary losses and that and that can that can be hard. Something else that we need to realize is that oftentimes people are grieving the same person and that can that can be hard um, because everybody loves that person and they're grieving and they're grieving in a different way. But sometimes it's hard when you bring your own grief into the community because the grief looks a little bit different. And Sherry, something you said that I really appreciate, and and I hope I'm not out of line, but your son was in, in not only engaged, but he was just within a few months of his marriage, of his wedding. And at a time that you should have been leaning in or typically leaning in to celebrate wedding, this crisis happened, and his fiance was his fiance, not his wife. And so I really appreciate it, blesses my heart, that you acknowledged the role that she had in your son's life because legally you would have been the one getting the phone calls because he wasn't married because you were his mother. But I really appreciate that you um, saw her and, and walked with her and honored her because it was just a matter of days before she would have been the one getting those first phone calls. So you demonstrate and model that well for us. Exactly. I included her in every decision possible. I had her sign legally everything she could sign legally because I wanted her to realize you're not just shoved aside now because no, in in their hearts, he loved her with all of his heart. And that was my commitment to him is that I would make sure she was okay and taken care of. But it was just a picture for me that we make our plans and we don't know. And I want to share this. I, for a long time, I kept number of days, 87 days without Jared, 105 days that we haven't had. And I, I kind of stopped counting. And one day I was really struggling. And the Lord said, you need to read 139. And that was just impressed on me. You need to read Psalm 139. And of course, when we go to Psalm 139, all of our days are numbered by him before any of them came to be. And I went back and looked at my calendar, and that was day 139 without him. And so that caused me to flip the script and say, how many days did Jared have? 10,389. And God knew that when he was conceived. God knew that number, and I didn't know that number, and Jared, of course, didn't know that number. But it makes me more aware, and and you know, too, anyone who has lost know, meaning moments are more meaningful, and petty things aren't as important anymore. And you make sure that 
people that you love know that you love them and you make the most of those moments together because uh, we don't know the numbers. God knows the numbers. Amen. Ladies, I say this every week, but we want you to be connected to the community. We're part of God's church, and he does not intend for us to journey alone. And this is why I invite certain guests onto the podcast, because just like Sherry referenced the Peter, James, and John, they were part of this inner circle. You may need a Peter or James or a John, and they may not be in your inner circle, but they're in your circle because they may be in this community. In other words, they've already walked a little bit of life. They've already lived through or experienced something that you may be experiencing fresh, and they're the very ones that can lean in and are willing to lean in to walk a few steps of your journey with you. So if you're not connected, find us. You can follow us on Facebook at Illinois Baptist Women. Follow us on Instagram at at Illinois Baptist Women or check out resources on our website at ibsa.org backslash women. In our episode notes, we will tag the resources that Sherry referenced, the While We Wait Facebook group. We will also put Sherry's contact information because she's available to you if it's some, if, if you find that she could help you speak into to something that you're walking through. Sherry, I'm grateful for you being with us today. It's always hard to wind down these conversations. But before we close out, if you could leave a word of encouragement or um, a challenge or um, exhortation. Every morning that entire summer, I saw the sunrise. I sat outside in the swing because I needed to know that the God who could make that sun come up was with me. Amen. And and that scripture in Romans had never taken on significance for me until then, where it says he himself intercedes with groans that words cannot express. I couldn't read books at first because I couldn't absorb the pages. I, it was just words and, and they weren't connecting with my brain. But sitting there and I had three songs I listened to every morning that talked about his goodness talked about resurrection, talked about just who he is. And as I absorbed the worship of that music, the Holy Spirit interceded for me. And that was my first foundation that I had to build on so that the Holy Spirit has free access to do what he's called to do. Be the comforter, be the intercessor, do those things for you because you cannot do them. You cannot do them yourself. And other people couldn't do them for me. They loved me. They hugged me. They wanted to help. But only the Holy Spirit could comfort me like he did and say the words that I couldn't even form on my lips. That's a good word. A good word. Sherry, thank you. Thank you for um, joining me today. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for being a resource, being willing, you know, to come alongside some others that, that may be walking this. I'm grateful, friend. I am grateful for you, and thank you. Always a, always a joy to get to have some sister time together with you. <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right, ladies, we want to thank you for joining us today on the Priority Now podcast. I'm going to ask you to have a great rest of your Friday. Have a blessed Sabbath, and we'll see you back here next week on the Priority Now podcast. You've been listening to the Priority Now podcast with host Carmen Halsey. Resources mentioned today are listed in the episode notes in the podcast app. Stay connected with us through social media and our website, ibsa.org slash women.